So right now, one of the things that I, I love that I can do is to go straight to my office and then we sit here and we talk about what, you know, how are you managing stress? How are you sleeping? And uh, about things that I've never spoke in my whole 30 years before. Um, and in the, the kitchen, you know, let's talk about substitution. Yes, you love tacos. Oh my goodness, we can do them very, very, very healthy and very try this recipe. Never in my life was I giving recipes to my patients, you know. This is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast, and I'm your host, Maya Acosta. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life. Let's get started. Before meeting today's guest, I would like to share another review by a listener. This person says, fantastic podcasts filled with insightful guests and useful practical information for people to live their best, healthiest lives. Our bodies are the only vehicles for moving around this planet. And once it starts to deteriorate, it's very hard to undo years and decades of poor habits. I'm so glad Maya has created this platform to teach people about preventive wellness and living. She also does a great job asking insightful questions of guests. Looking forward to future segments. And this is by J. George 792. Thank you. And like I said before, I have made it so much easier for all of you to rate and review our podcast. If you're interested in sharing how you're enjoying the content, simply go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash HLS. And also, you know, I've said, come on over to my Instagram account at Maya underscore HLS underscore podcast. This is where I'm sharing short clips of my conversations with my guests. And also I like making interactive or kind of fun reels. I'm having a good time on there. And so that's where you get to learn a little bit more about me. And if you're interested in joining our newsletter, this is where Dr. Riz and I share information about upcoming events, not necessarily always put together by us, but where I let you know what's happening in the plant-based lifestyle medicine world. I like to share recipes. I like to share, um, highlight some of my guests that come on the show. So the link for our newsletter is bit.ly forward slash Maya Acosta. And what you'll get in that link in return for your email because you are signing up for our newsletter is a guide that Dr. Riz and I put together on preventing cardiovascular disease. It contains some insight to the world that Dr. Riz is involved with uh, in terms of uh, atherosclerosis in his work as a vascular surgeon. So he writes a little bit from his perspective about what he has seen with chronic disease. And then we offer um, lifestyle medicine solutions and the pillars from lifestyle medicine that you can implement to prevent cardiovascular disease. And we also have 10 recipes in that guide. So I hope that you enjoy that. Again, the link for this guide is bit.ly forward slash Maya Acosta. All right, let's talk about today's episode. So Dr. Yolanda Caudill Rivera is known as Dr. Beat by her patients, her small patients, She's a pediatrician. Uh, She organized and created her practice called The Tiny Beat. After 30 years of practicing as a pediatrician, Dr. Beat learned about lifestyle medicine and then changed her entire practice to create one that really fosters the pillars of lifestyle medicine so that she can teach her patients about using exercise as medicine and food as medicine and stress management. And so her practice is called the Tiny Beat. And it's so much fun because we talk in this conversation, we we talk about how her family, they all have have contributed to developing this practice. So all the links, as always, the full bio and the links for each of my guests can be found on my podcast website, healthylifestylesolutions.org. I hope that you enjoy this episode and please let me know in the comments what you think about it. Thank you again. 
Welcome, Dr. Beat. Thank you. Thank you, Maya. It's a pleasure to be here. We did have the, a little bit of a conversation yesterday as we, you know, got to know each other. And by the end of the conversation that evening, I sat down with my husband and I said, let me tell you about Dr. Beat. And I was just so excited to learn about everything of how you created your own practice and how you're teaching lifestyle medicine to children because it's, you're getting them very early. Yes. Um, yeah. So let's learn a little bit more about you before we move on to the practice that you now have and all and how you navigated the pandemic. Um, tell us a little bit more about you. In your bio, we talked about how you were from a small town in Puerto Rico. Um, tell us about that and how you decided to go into medicine. Well, um, yes, I'm the oldest. I was always very bossy. <laughs> so I'm the oldest of four or five. So I was always, you know, giving them orders. So I don't know if that had to do with medicine, but I know I loved science. So I, when I was in college, um, to go to college, I, I chose science because I love biology. And then I knew I wanted to do something in, in science. I had no idea what it was. And I remember when I was a kid, I was watching, there was a show called, um, Oh my goodness. It was, uh, it was a nurse. It was a black nurse. Uh, and, uh, Diane Carroll, I think she was, uh, the, the actress, the main actress, and it was a nurse. And I was, I loved that show. It had to do with medicine and stuff like that. And I told my mom, I was like five and I was sitting, W sitting in front of the big TV on the floor. I said, mom, whenever I'm going to be like her, um, and Julia, I think it was. And my mom said, you know that you could be a doctor too. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> women are not doctors. That's just the, the man. So I thought my mom was crazy. And then uh, in when I was in college, I wanted to do something that I could do with science and that I could speak. I love to talk. So the only way I, the one way I thought I could marry those two was through medicine. And I love the decision because I like to be with people and, um, and I love science. I still nerd. When you were younger at that time, you had that mentality that women didn't go into medicine. And I remember when I was younger, I really saw very limiting options for women too. I mean, I'm much older now. Mm -hmm. So women have really expanded all fields as well. But when you were in medical school, were you one of a handful of women or was it like 50-50? By the time I was in med school, there were quite a bit of us. But the first female physician that I saw, I met her in medical school in Puerto Rico. That was, I had no role models to go by. So I, I was, yes, first were the professors and then the physicians, you know, like, um, you know, you start the first years, but yes, I realized, my gosh, this is the first physician I know that is a female, even though there were several of us in the, in the, in the career already. But um, mm -hmm. yes, I had no role models. Like, it was yeah. a very interesting thing. I had a very good male pediatrician, though. It was very good. Well, how did you decide that you wanted to work with children as opposed to working with adults? Well, I, again, I'm a nerd. And every time I would go to a rotation, like it was internal medicine or it was pathology, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. Oh, my God, this is so interesting. Oh, goodness. this is, And then... It was not until I started, I got to the rotation of pediatrics that I felt that I was home. I was like, oh gosh, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And when I told my mom, I know what I'm going to do. She said, I knew it. I knew you were going to do that. I didn't know that. <laughs> and um, so it is the, the children, they're super interesting because a, a baby is a different, completely different thing than a five-year-old or a, you know, a high schooler, they're like totally different animals, you know, they're different everything. So that is so interesting. And in addition to see the babies from zero to until they can bring your children to you, at, I mean, that, that makes it, it is such an exciting thing to see the kids grow. 
I also feel like it's a certain personality. You did probably help to raise or take care of your three younger, four younger siblings, right? (laughs) So maybe that caretaking. Maybe. I never thought about that, but I do like the fact that I like to be silly and being a pediatrician allows me that freedom to be me and wear silly socks and silly shoes and be myself. Actually, it's interesting because one of the things that I noticed going into the residency, not so much through med med school, but as a resident, I realized that I was being the professional doctor that I suppose, I mean, I expected to be like serious and, you know, proper. And, but then I realized I was not being myself. I was not being true to myself because I am, I am silly, like my father. So what I started realizing, I am in the right profession to be myself, to be silly and just crazy with the kids. And I would sit on the floor to examine them. And um, I would, I would be myself. And then it freed me to be, to enjoy more what I was doing. Absolutely. When I was an elementary school teacher, I think that childlike part of me came out as well because I taught various levels in the elementary. But when I had like a pre-K or kindergarten class, uh-huh, uh-huh. you sing to them, you dance, yes. you, you read books and you have a lot of fun. And then suddenly it's like, I remember I would laugh and it was genuine, like yes. what I was yes. feeling inside. Yes. yes. Oh, children. Oh. Yes. Bring the best. Yeah. In us. Yes. Yes. So we're going to talk about what life was like before you learned about lifestyle medicine and what life is like for you now with your private practice. Um, So you've had 30 years of experience under your belt working with children. Can we paint a picture of what what that was like for you? What kind of conditions you saw? I know that on my end as a teacher, we would um, uh, the nurse would tell us to look out for signs that there might be some type 2 diabetes developing in our children. What other things do you see? Well, uh, one of the things that actually led me to to discover lifestyle medicine was childhood obesity. You know, like I said, 30 years ago, when I was in the residency, I remember this argument about in between the endocrinologists and other physicians that that about a child that was, um, I think the endocrinologist said that he had type two diabetes and they were like, it's not possible that he has type two, this is adult diabetes. And I remember that, that argument. And he says, no, it's not type one, it's type two. And well, you know, that happened, but then all of a sudden we started seeing more and more and more children. And now is, it's pretty much the norm. It's like, you know, having another chronic condition in children, unfortunately. So we see it very, very common. When I started, it wasn't happening. It's like, so that made me, and then that together with the fact that I was seeing more children with obesity as well, not just the type 2 diabetes, but the what led them to the type 2 was the overweight or obesity. And, or just like you mentioned, acanthosis, just, they still didn't have it, but they have that marks in the neck. And then you're like, you know, they're heading into that direction. So seeing that in children and knowing or feeling that I was not making any difference because they were not getting better, made me look for solutions. I said, I have to find something. I'm not doing my job. I am this, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. So I, found out um, this advertisement for Institute of Lifestyle Medicine in Boston had a uh, conference December of 2018. And I was like, it's something, the CHEF program and something like that. And the first time I saw it, it's like, that's that's not, that's not, has nothing to do with me. But the second time I saw it, it was something that told me, you have to read it. You have to read it. And then I read it and I was like, well, maybe there's something here. Let me look into that. And I look at the information and I, and I, and I decided I was going to do that. And it changed my life. It changed my life because right there in that conference, I saw the data was not different than when we've been used to see. It was just like more about 
the same. Yeah, you need to eat more vegetables. You need to eat more fruits. That's good for you. That's good for type two diabetes. That's good to lose weight or that, you know, but it was the other things. Um, am I motivational interviewing? Um, the, the getting deeper into the root of root cause of the problems. Um, not just, you know, a child has constipation, eat more fruits and veggies. Here's his prescription. There's your Miralax and I'll see you see, let's see how it does. Um, it was more than that. Let's see, what are you guys eating? How are you guys doing exercise and how are you guys sleeping? And a whole spectrum of things that I was not definitely doing in my practice. I was just touching the surface and it gave me, and then in addition, well, if you want to do something for your patients, you try to do it for yourself. So I started, you know, introducing that type of eating in my house. So we're eating more, cooking more with vegetables and fruits. And my husband um, got on board and the months passed, I lost 30 pounds. My husband lost his um, medication for cholesterol. And um, I was feeling so much more energy with more, more energy. And, and I, was, I saw that I was asking more about what was going on in the household with, with the lifestyle medicine um, uh, pillars. And um, so it, that out of that conference, I came out like literally more in love with my profession because I had, I felt I had the tools that I was lacking all these years. It was a good, I mean, it was a conversion. It was like, oh gosh, I need to do this. I want to do this with all the kids and the families. Well, we often talk about how that helps to reinvigorate a physician. I always believe that all physicians go into this field because they really do care about people. But when you're given the proper tools and also the fact that you can empower the patients, I can see how that would be even more rewarding for you. So then we talked about how in 2019, you and I'm surprised because you learned this in 2018 and a year later or so. You were in Florida for the last summer medicine conference, taking the board exam. So tell us about that. So yes, I, out of that, I started reading more, and then I signed up for the Chef program. It was like a six week where they is coaching. I can't remember coaching health, um, with from from them too from the Institute of Lifestyle Medicine, and they teach you how to how to be a coach, coaching families to, to involve more of the cooking, because one of the things, and we see that a lot, is not so much, I mean, families that cook or people in general, adults that, that, that in cook their meals have less problems than health have health problems than people that have the, the packaged foods that have so much fat and sodium and, Heaven knows what other things. So, you know, encouraging the parents. And personally, that's one of the eye openers for me because one of my excuses is I have no time to cook. You guys crazy. And then in the course, they start teaching you about, you know, like um, you cook in batches and you do this and then you can do this thing and make it. And all of a sudden I realized that it was much easier than having, than thinking, Oh, I have to come and to defrost. Oh, I didn't defrost this, this meat or I didn't do this. And it was like, I have beans. I'm, I'm done. This is, I have beans. I have this. I have, and then trying to make it look like a rainbow and trying to incorporate spices, you know, like more about the Indian flavors and things like that. It was like, it wasn't became like an experiment and it was a very interesting experiment uh, for my taste buds and my family started liking it and get involved um, my daughter to the Ruby program because she was she loved it so much so she is Ruby training even and um, so that that was um, it was good that I, I had no idea that I was going to enjoy cooking you went from Boston learning that, but then you said you attended something else in in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yes, I went to a conference from the Kelly Foundation, Dr. Megan Grega, and I went with my husband. It was a smaller conference, 
And that's what made like the shift in my family because my husband was completely on board. He saw the evidence. He saw, and he goes like, well, we're going to do this. This, this it makes no sense that we don't do this, you know? And, um, that's after that, in the meantime, I was studying, working full time and studying for my boards because I really wanted to do, to be certified. I wanted to be bringing that information that to have that under my belt, to, to have more credibility that this is something real. This is something that, that changes lives. And, um, so I did the board and I was so happy that I passed. I wasn't sure that I studied enough because it was never enough. I mean, there was so much information and a lot of adult stuff that I, it was all new for me. So, but I, I passed and, and then after that, I, I wanted to incorporate even more that to my families. And, and then I decided I was not going to renew my contract with um, the employed position that I had because I wanted to do lifestyle medicine for the children, for the families. Well, and we know that the current model, the way that Western medicine is practiced, it limits your access to patients. So you only have a small window uh, to see them, to interact with them, you, and you don't have the time to teach them how to incorporate more plants into their meals and things like that. So tell us, um, as you were preparing to make this transition, we were also in the middle of the pandemic. So how was it? How did you make it even happen that you created your your center last year, 2021? How did that happen? Yes. Well, I had no idea what I was doing, to be quite honest. So small business administration, some friends that know about these things were guiding me because I honestly didn't know. And then I just knew initially I wanted to be employed, but that didn't happen. So I said I had to do it on my own. And, um, I wanted to do the traditional fee for medicine practice. I had no idea. I didn't know any better, but I discovered looking for ideas and stuff like that. I found out different practices in that do, uh, direct patient care, which is kind of like concierge medicine, but, but we do not take the insurance, um, money to pay for our services. The patient's can have their insurance to pay for their stuff like referrals and um, any anything, medicines and stuff like that. But my services are paid with a membership program. So then I realized that that was the key that I needed. That was the other piece of the, my puzzle because by having direct patient care, I see one family at a time. I see a limited number of patients because I don't have thousands and thousands of patients on my panel. I see a limited amount of patients uh, at a time. I see one family at a time. So I can have 60 minutes to 30 minutes, whatever the family needs me to have. And that gave me the freedom that that was what I needed to be able to, to talk about lifestyle medicine. And the other thing, for example, a child with obesity that comes and see me and he comes in, I normally in my prior practice, I had to weigh him. I have to, or her, I had to get their weight. And, you know, sometimes it's very frustrating because we're, even when you try, when you're doing everything right, that's not something that happens fast and everybody wants things to happen fast. But the truth of the matter is that that's not the main problem. That's not the main issue. And you don't want them to emphasize on that number on the scale. And, but I still had to weigh them. Because so that the insurance will pay for that visit, we had to get all the vital signs and all. Um, but once they saw that I spent like 10 minutes of my 15 minutes visit trying to um, impress on them that we want to do is change the thing, the way we do things, not to look at the number as that is the thing that we're trying to change. But it was very hard because they have already seen it. So right now, one of the things that I, I love that I can do is to go straight to my office and then we sit here and we talk about what, you know, how are you managing stress? How are you sleeping? And uh, about things that I've never spoke in my whole 30 years before um, and in the, the kitchen, you know, let's talk about substitution. Yes, you love tacos. Oh my goodness, we can do them very, very, very healthy and very try this recipe. 
never in my life was I giving recipes to my patients, you know, prescriptions. Yes, but not recipes. That was so interesting, a, a shift that I was not expecting. And I love it because now I, I cook that in my house and we know it tastes delicious. And some patients mm-hmm. give me their recipes, but um, mm-hmm. finding substitution, things like that is, is what makes it, oh my goodness, so much different and so rewarding. Right. I also imagine that um, since many physicians are not trained in nutrition the way that we know nutrition to be, that for you, it's like you're you're preaching what you already practice and you have the resources, you have the informa- information to share. Uh, aside from um, a typical physician just saying, well, just eat more vegetables and then just sending off the patient to figure it all out by him or herself. And then, oh yes, I'm still learning about nutrition. I mean, this is, Mm -hmm. I, I, I still have to refer people to to dietitians because I can consider myself that I know everything about that. I'm still learning about that. So tell us more about uh, how you work with children. Yes. One of the interesting things I, I've um, learned through this process is, for example, parents, two things. Parents say, you know, my child does not, would not eat anything green or anything, you know, orange for even if, you know, if it's to save their life. Um, and the other thing is that one part could be that they're not exposed to that or they're not exposed. You know, like sometimes I tried, for example, broccoli and the first time it was not cooked well or something. And it, I might have that experience as broccoli is bad, period. You know, I haven't, I'm not going to give it a chance. And then the other option is, or the other possibility with children that may have sensory problems. And that is a big thing because parents, they would keep insisting and this poor children, they really have to have another approach. They need to see specialists for that. And one of the approaches that they do is, for example, um, just, just smell, let's say an apple, just smell it, just smell it, learn to smell an apple. And then after that, learn how to lick the apple. You go really, really, really slow to be in contact and to, to be, uh, accepting that new food. And it's la- is later along the line where you're going to start tasting the apple and then you can lick, you know, you cut it and you lick it and stuff like that. So it is really important because many, many times these children suffer because they're forced to eat, which is something you would never, never, never want to do to any child. It doesn't matter if it's a newborn. It doesn't matter if it's an adolescent. Forcing children to eat, forcing an adult to eat is never a, a solution. So even, and that's one of the things, for example, that I've learned, like learn, letting the babies to play with the food, putting them in through their nose and every hole in their face. It's, it's okay. It's okay because they're learning to interact with that food and they will, it's more likely that they will be accepting that later on. It's so interesting to me that a lot of times you you see that parents are concerned about the child making a mess and dropping food. Uh, I so what you're saying is just allow them to explore, explore freely. Yes, the yes. Food. Enjoy the food the way that it is, and trust the kid's instinct. I mean, many many parents. I'm a Hispanic, you know, person woman, and I grew up with grandmothers that I told you know, like you said, I grew up with a lot of grandmothers. And God forbid that you didn't finish the plate and God forbid that, oh my goodness, this kid is so skinny. She, she's dying. You have to be, I remember I gained a lot of weight in college and my grandmother was in cloud nine. You're finally, you know, wow. And I was like, Abuela, I can't believe you. I am overweight. I'm not fine. This is not my normal weight. And so, but she was happy because now you're healthy. So, and that's, that's, they think they're doing something good and they're harming these kids. I mean, my mother, for example, she had to have some, uh, a serving of soup before dinner. And she said the moment that she, they put the plate in front of her, she started crying because she knew that with the soup, she was, she was, she already had it. 
she didn't want any more and she had to eat more and she would cry. She said eating was a torture. When she went to college that she had no one doing that, she became, you know, she doesn't know. She was anorexic. She was, she had anemia and because she was in charge of what she was not going to eat and she was not eating because she could, she had control over that. So it's, um, it, it's horrible, you know, to, to force children or anybody to eat. They have parents need to learn to trust the kid's instinct and respect you feeding a baby from the breast or from a bottle, you know, late, learn how to do pace feeding. So you're not pushing the bottle, you know, and they're, you know, they're drinking because they don't want to drown rather than eating at their own pace, you know, and a lot of people don't do that because they think the babies are going to have too much air in the bottle. And I mean, in their stomach and that's, that's not true. And from get from zero, you not a baby pulls away, respect that the baby had enough, even though you don't think it's enough. And if the babies or the child starts losing weight, then there are other solutions to do that. And, but none of them involve forcing a child to eat. What is the biggest lifestyle um, issue that most of your patients and or their parents have? So in other words, is food the biggest issue throughout their life or is it lack of exercise or is it having too much stress in their life? There is a combination of factors. There is a genetic part also. I mean, children, um, I mean, it breaks my heart when, for example, a child, you know, has genetically, they're, they're not never going to be like, I've always been on the skinnier side normally, but some people are not, you know, some people are always not on, on the closer on the higher ed spectrum and that might be normal for them. So the same way that a child could be skinny and might force themselves to, to gain too much weight or more overweight and force themselves to lose weight. Sometimes they have to be a balance in that and they have to understand their genetics too. But there's also an, something that is very dear to my heart is sleep. Sleep is not taught, you know, in med school, very little. And in, in, it should be taught in school. Like, and that's something is stress in school that it, this is very important as a society. We don't stress sleep. So, I mean, we stress work and work and work and you have to be productive and sleep is, you know, I, we know whenever you have a time, but when you don't have that cycle established, a lot of things are affected in their system. So one of the things I address a lot is the sleep and, um, and physical activity, but not, not in the sense of exercise, physical activity in the way of just having fun with it. For example, I tell, I don't like running. I don't like jogging. That's not on my DNA to enjoy that. So I tell the parents, the patients, if you ever see me running in the street, call the police or run in my direction because that's not normal. This is not something I enjoy. I like walking. I like running my bicycle. And I know that's one of the pillars that I need to improve myself, you know, like strengthening and that type of thing. Exercise is not something that I, you know, do naturally, but that's something I understand the benefits of it. And mm -hmm. for people with children, young children, just go outside and play, play your, your games. When you were a kid, just become a kid again and, and try to enjoy it. You know, it doesn't matter if it's, it doesn't have to be an organized sports. They don't have to be part of a team. None of that. Just enjoy being a kid again with your children, teach them your games. And, um, it, it's good, not just for physical activity, but it's good for the relationship as, you know, a parent and with their kids. Um, mm -hmm. so, and, you know, mindfulness and, um, type that type of, uh, managing stress is another thing that I address because a lot of people have no idea that that is so beneficial, um, mm -hmm. because they continue on and on. This is life. That's how we do it. Well, there's, yeah. there is a solution. There's a way around that. There's this idea too, that compared to many of us, and I say many, I don't know, I, uh, you know, in my household, my parents raised us to be very outdoorsy. So when you talk about cycling and being physically active outdoors, I'm more that person than the person that goes to the gym. Uh -huh. 
And I find it so beneficial to spend time in nature, but our children are more protected. Um, they're indoors a lot more. So that's another topic that you probably speak to your um, your parents about. All day long. For the same reason, I try and I stress, if you have one hour, at least they need, we want the kids at least one hour of physical activity. Ideally, it's more. Like you said, like you were as racist, you know, as a kid. I went outside and it was until it got dark that I hear my mom calling for us. I was like, my gosh, I have to go back home. So it was just playing with the kids, you know, in the front yard or the, the whatever, whoever house was close by. And, yes. and that's, that's so important. And you know what there as, as a society, we want to find ways that, Children can be kids and do those things. And there have been so many fears instilled in, in parents of, you know, like, they don't, you know, you have to watch them 24-7. And of course, you know, but there, there is a risk of children when no, they don't do that. That is, it's not, it's not little. It's a, it's a big risk. And they, being in nature exploring, getting dirt and looking for worms and stuff like that, that is very important for the brain development as well. So, and they can get more out of that than in a, that they can get on a computer on a school lesson. So let's talk about the tiny beat. Let's go back to when you put your practice in place and how, tell us how your children participated in the rebrand and the building of it all. Yes. Well, I have, you mentioned I have three kids and um, when I was developing all this learning about business and all that, that I had knew that was another thing that I had to learn, not just the science of lifestyle medicine, not just um, the pediatrics that I had to learn. And it was business and how to develop these things. Well, I had to develop a website and all this a logo and all those things. And, um, I'm talking to my kids and it was so funny because they already knew what the role they had, but I had no idea. I thought it was, you know, something I had to do on my own. And I didn't know my, I knew my son had studied something in computers, but I had no idea what it meant. So when I would, he were talking about development of the website, it, I was one checking on one of those things that is, you know, like ready-made that you just put your information. He goes, no, mom, I'm going to do that. What do you, what do you mean you're going to do that? No, I, I do that. That's what I do. Oh, really? You know how to do a website? You can do that? Mom, and he was like, oh my gosh, I can do that. I was like, okay, if you can. And then my, my, my daughter, uh, she's a graphic designer, Michelle. And then she is like, no, mom. And then she started get, bringing ideas and her and uh, her best friend, they came with a tiny beat. And because tiny for pediatrics beat, because it's a, you know, play, play with the words. Because in lifestyle medicine, everything is a little bit at a time. So it's a play with words. And beet is a fantastic vegetable anyways. And, it, and the color. So it had the colors that we could use. It had the, the play with the words and you know, it was a fun way to say it. So, um, and some people say if they think that they're going to come and there's going to be a, a restaurant or, or a place to eat. But um, so then she, she, you know, designed the logo and um, the branding. And then my youngest, she's a linguistic mayor and she is the social media. There is nothing. I mean, she has to proof, uh, read, proofread everything because I'm a mess writing in English. So she's like, Oh mom, no, no, you, you're not going to send this. You have to, I have to read, I had to redo that. And, um, so, and my husband did the, the, he knows carpentry. So he did the countertops on my office. So I'm the only one that hasn't done anything is my dog because it's not well-trained, <laughs> but everybody else had to do with this. It was wonderful. That's wonderful. It was such a good, I had no idea that I had that in my household. It was so funny as, as, as it was developing, I was like, gosh, guys, this is wonderful. And it's, it's been a labor of love to, and to have the yes. family and the kids involved. 
Yes. And I now notice that you're wearing under that robe, the color of a beet. Yes. So you're actually wearing your color as This well. is the, yeah, the tiny beet, the main color. I don't know if you can see the arches there. I don't know if you I can see, see that. Mm-hmm. the arches yep. of the thing, the main beet that most people know. So let's talk about the differences between the model that you once practiced in when you were an employee for someone else, as opposed to the center or the practice, the physical place that you now have as your own. How different is it? Do you have, I imagine like if we had a practice like that, we would have posters up and food everywhere, like posters of food and fruits. And uh, what can children expect when they visit you? Well, this looks more like a house. <laughs> I had um, I had a, a kid, uh, it's, it looks calming. Um, the colors are, you know, like warm and, and um, it's not overwhelming with, there's pictures of fruits and stuff like that. Um, I had an experience the other day that it was fantastic. I have a, a three-year-old first visit here and he's a nonverbal child suspected maybe he's in the spectrum of autism. And that child came and he right away have a rocking horse and he went to that and he's, he was there and then he saw some other toys. So you know, he wanted to be there. So his parents and I sat on the, on the waiting room and we started getting the information there because I see only one family at a time. So I locked the door so he wouldn't, you know, try to get escape. And all of a sudden he's playing and he, he hugs my legs and he puts his his head on my lap and my knees. I was in cloud nine. I was like, oh. oh my goodness. And the parents look at each other like, he doesn't do this. This is fantastic. And I was saying, he probably does not know that he's in a doctor's office. He's, I don't know, he's visiting somebody that yes. has toys and whatnot. And after that, I examined him and I was ready to examine him on the waiting room. But I had to go my get my equipment. He followed me and he got on top of the exam table he let me see his ears. He let me, he opened his mouth for me. He, I did the complete health exam without him budging. He was actually enjoying it. And mm. I mean, it, I, I, that was, you know, never in my <laughs> life, in my 30 years, have I done anything like that? Because when you're in a practice, I'm already when there, there is a, a lot of sensory issues uh, or stimulation when they walk in in a regular pediatrician's office and it's already they're already anxious and then you have to see them quick you don't have time for them to warm up you don't have you know the, the mm-hmm. not because they don't want to no the pediatricians want to enjoy their kids too their patients too they do but it's is <laughs> the way that it's done and I was spending a lot of time doing coding rather than reading medicine or spending time with my patients. So mm-hmm. I much rather come here in the middle of the night to see a kid than being in the middle of the night putting codes in a computer. It's mm-hmm. so rewarding. I know this mom is going to sleep better because I checked the baby, you know, and we're, I'm going to sleep better because I know yes. what what's going on or what needs to be, oh yeah, you need to go to the emergency room or we can wait and see him tomorrow. So it is a completely different, a completely different paradigm. This is a different set of, of game. It's a, yeah. a different game. I bet also that that child probably felt that warm energy that's inviting of the place that you've created. Um, do you offer cooking classes? Not yet. Not yet, but that's, that's something that I would love. I have a space that I would not, not so much like cooking classes, but something like some instructions on how to do, I don't, I don't, I mean, I would need a, a lot of equipment for that, but, mm-hmm. um, I also thought about pairing with a, a chef in town that we could do something like that. Um, as smart. Yes. That, yeah. yeah. And then I, the other thing I wanted to do is group sessions with adolescents or, you know, or, um, yeah. uh, also some book clubs. There is a couple of books that I want to oh. do book clubs. Um, uh, Thrivers from Michelle Borba. Oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness. This is a book that yeah. I have to, I want to do a book club for, you know, for the parents, not so much for the kids, but it's for the parents. 
And yes. um, there's, there's things like that, that, you know, I would love to, I have the time. The other thing I have the time to do is uh, developing a, with a, a doctor in physical therapy from, from Southern University here in, in, um, in Savannah, uh, Armstrong campus. Uh, we are developing this, um, it's called the challenge, a tiny bit challenge where we, we, we did our, we're working on our pilot program where we go to a school and we teach the kids. Um, it's a challenge that you're going to sleep. However, amount of hours per, depending on what age group we're talking about, um, mm -hmm. every day to try to do that every day, including weekends, you're going to do one hour of physical activity outdoor, ideally outdoors. And you're going to eat at least one or two more fruits every day, fruits or veggies mm -hmm. every day, just mm -hmm. one more, two more. Um, and we try to, and I was encouraged. There is Sean Conaghan is a teacher in Dublin, Ireland. He is fantastic. He, uh, I heard Dr. Yami's podcast and she interviewed him and I was, my goodness, he, I was so impressed. I contacted him and I, so he gave me the ideas on what is it because that I wanted to do something with the schools and that's what he's doing. And in his school, he started um, teaching. He had the, the teachings cooking. They do breakfast in the morning and I think they had dinner in the afternoon or something like that. And then they would do physical activity and the kids, they were saying how much better they started feeling. And there was so much, in, so, I mean, it was, it was amazing. So that, and uh, the other person that inspired me uh, is Dr. Yum uh, of Dr. Yum uh, organization. Um, so these are, she's a pediatrician and she started cooking in her office for her patients. And now she has a nonprofit for that. So oh. I know that it's been done. Um, I'm still learning how to play the business, <laughs> but right. it's, it's on the list of things that I would like to do to have more in-depth hands-on, um, with the patients and the families to, yes, to learn yes. how to cook, especially, you know, families that have children with, with sensory things, just let them play. And, um, if they find it icky, that's fine. They can just touch it like a little bit and, you know, <laughs> Um, right. but that's progress. Okay. And so are you offering any of this information in Spanish? Yes, I try. It takes, it takes a while to translate, um, things because it's, I don't, it's not a direct translation. Otherwise it's, and my kids always tell me when you translate things, it's so much longer in Spanish or is so much longer in English or it's because I, well, I'm, Spanish is my first language, so I probably will talk more in Spanish. And then culturally, it might be different what you say or what you can add. So it is a, not a direct translation. So it takes me forever. And even though I try to do more, it's, it's time consuming. And my kids speak Spanish, but not to the point to translate anything. I get it. I feel like I'm in the same shoes that even though like I was a bilingual teacher, meaning most of my students, the majority, their parents only spoke Spanish at home. Um, but I was teaching in both languages. And now with all, all this information, it's like, wow, having to, if you want to, you know, reach the Spanish-speaking community, you have to get those resources in Spanish. So a couple of more questions, just kind of basic questions for parents, especially new parents. Uh, at what point in a, women, a woman's pregnancy, at what point should she start looking for a pediatrician? What, it, what, do you, what are your recommendations on that? I think as uh, soon as she finds out uh, that she's pregnant, she might want to start doing her research, you know? to see what's in the area and, and stuff like that. And as soon as she finds out, and hopefully before, one thing I tell them, start eating as many fruits and veggies as you can possibly add to your diet because your baby is literally eating what you are. And not only just the food that you're eating, but it's the microbiome on the baby, the, the taste buds are developing too with that taste of whatever she's eating. 
So not only you want to start looking for a pediatrician, you want to start looking into, you know, up, up in your game. And if you have not already, but eating a lot of vegetables and fruits and seeds and nuts and anything plants. But I was looking at your website to see if there are any other questions that we may have, like that you might have common questions or concerns just in general from parents, like questions about vaccination, questions about, I don't know, other things related to just a child's maturity, like um, are they developing um, at a reasonable pace? Are those some of the uh, concerns that you also address? Yes. I mean, I mean, we do developmental evaluations in all the well checks, like, you know, they're recommended for by the Academy of Pediatrics. In addition, because I have the flexibility um, of, you know, there is a concern, I can probably see them before. Let's see, you know, or they were in the speech or whatnot. I can probably don't have to wait for a checkup. And because the parents don't have to pay another copay, um, it's, right. it's more fun. Or you can text or something too. And yes, I do. It's evidence-based. So I do believe in the vaccines. I, I have mm -hmm. them here. And for the first time in my life, I've been the bad guy. I, I am the one that puts the vaccines. So I feel so bad oh. that I have to do that because I, uh, I don't have a nurse. So it's me doing it. And it's been... I had to oh. learn to suck it up. Okay, you're going to be doing this and you're going to make this child cry, which is, it was, that was a big stretch for me, but you know, it's, yeah. it is what it is. I it's, had, a, I had a little girl the other day that I put um, three shots and then she had to come in a month because I didn't have the, the fourth one that she needed. So she came a month later And she told the mom the day that she left that she was never going to see me again. That she didn't want to come here oh. ever again. So um, she came a few days ago. She came happy and she hugged me right away. As soon as she walked in, she hugged me. I said, well, okay, so I guess we're friends again. Oh. So, but uh, it took a little bit of convincing that it's going to be only one. And so anyways, it, that's the hard part. Yeah. But yeah, I bet. But uh, yes, I believe in vaccines. <laughs> so I wanted to uh, mention again, the direct direct patient care. I want to come back to that because on your website, you have here some of the benefits that the average patient wouldn't have uh, with the, you know, the basic Western models. So one of them is that you do at home visits for newborns. You also offer telemedicine, so text, phone, telemedicine. Um, you teach them how to cook, and then you talk about lifestyle medicine just in general. Um, and, you know, we, I, we know that insurance companies, and when you have that kind of model, you're very limited. It's like the insurance companies just took the doctor away from the patient in many ways. Um, and it, you're established as sort of like a membership program, a membership. And, and one of the things that I love, I, I feel this kind of like the old fashioned way of practicing medicine where your physician was part of the family and knew everything and it was very involved with the family. So yes. by doing this, I feel like it's, it's going back rather than moving forward. It's not a new thing. It's an old thing. The yes. physician is part of the family. My, my pediatrician, I was a sick child. I had I, you know, my poor mom, my poor parents, my mom was 20 when she had me and I was a good teacher for her. And she was in that man's house. He would, there was no cell phone. So he would give her, okay, this is where I live. <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to be playing golf today. So, you know, if you need me, I'm going to be here and I'm going to be, so he was part of our family. And, and this is kind of like, the modern way of doing that, of practicing an old fashioned medicine. And I love it. I love to be part of that family. Awesome. Are you taking new patients? I am. I am. I'm, I'm going to fill the panel. Once I fill the panel, I will stop taking patients. And, but I still, still not full. So yes, you can call and find out. And I'm also seeing patients through uh, Planted Forward. Um, I can also telemedicine through Planted Forward. So uh, in Florida, I can see patients mostly for lifestyle medicine rather than pediatrics, more like lifestyle medicine recommendations. 
you know, like children yes. with anxiety or depression might benefit from sometimes, you know, you dig a little bit deeper and there are many things that can be done with or without medications. I'm not saying that they need to stop medication or they don't need to start it, but it could be at the same time, they're going to benefit so much more than, mm-hmm. yeah, there are a lot of things that we can try. I'm so happy that you're part of the Planet Forward team. Um, I interviewed almost everyone from the team. I love that you're all female. Yes, I know. (laughs) I don't know if it was by design, but we are. (laughs) So you're seeing patients through Planet Forward. You have your physical practice. Um, Do you offer anything else for other individuals that are not in either of those locations? Um, Or how can people learn more about you if they just want to reach out? I can't. I mean, you can see, look at me. Uh, We try to post uh, informational stuff, educational stuff through my uh, Facebook or Instagram and um, that's those are the only two social media that I'm gonna do because I there's so much we can do. I don't have anything else. Um, and um, and I'm you know we're developing a newsletter and and a blog to to talk about because I the way I like to talk too much. I like to when I start writing, I write a lot. And my my kids said, "Mom, that is too long for a post." <laughs> but, but there is a lot of information I want to get. Out. So they said, you need a blog. So they're, they're designing that for me because I guess I, I like to talk as much as I like to write. That's wonderful, though. That means you have a lot to say and people are going to want to hear that. But it's, you know, once you love what you're doing, it's so it comes so easy, you know, and there's so much mm-hmm. from like, for example, with sleep, once you start reading about how much sleep and the good thing about lifestyle medicine is everything is so intertwined okay so if you improve your sleep you your stress is going to be better if you start improving your food your the way you eat your microbiome is going to get better your stress is going to get better your sleep might get better so you improve one of the pillars and the other ones you're benefiting another one indirectly directly or indirectly. If you do physical activity, you're going to sleep better. You might lose weight. Or if you don't need to lose weight, you're going to be stronger. Your heart is going to be stronger. So no matter what, you start with any of the pillars that you want, and you're going to be benefiting some other pillars right off the bat. So that's why you just want to start tiny bit all the time, tiny bit, (laughs) just one step at a time. Just if you do that, you're going to see, you're going to start, you just have to be consistent and not, not, not give up, not giving up. It's, it's okay. That didn't work. I'm going to try something else, but it works. It works works for me. It works for so many other patients. It's, it's beautiful. The, in social media and the doctor beat, the doctor beat. Okay. I'll include the links so we can get it right in the show notes. Uh, so Dr. Beat, do you have any final message, anything else that you'd like to say to our listeners? Well, I hope some of you can get inspired on trying just a little bit of learning about yourself and learning what is it that makes you happy, whether it's play outside that you have never done it. Um, try to start sleeping a little bit better. It'll just even if you go to bed 15 minutes earlier, <clears throat> Just, just, just a little bit, your body's going to start doing, um, it's going to be very, very grateful for you. And it's going to show you in increased concentration, feeling, you know, living, lifting the fog or just feeling better, more calm and and learning. I, I am a proponent of learning and reading and look for information, look for sources. I know there's a lot of misinformation in and that you can find on uh, websites on on internet but for example plant to forward they they have a lot of of evidence-based stuff lifestyle medicine has mm-hmm. um the institute though the lifestyle medicine have a lot of information too this has been wonderful. I Likewise. think you added so much value to my listeners. I can't wait to share this. I did say that I'm going to have, um, par- probably by the time this episode airs, I will have released the other episode with um, the, the top 
Yes, the the topic of preconceptual health and optimizing our bodies, you know, for women who are interested in having children. And then we follow through with talking about how to support children through lifestyle medicine. So Dr. Beat, it has been wonderful getting to know you and learning about Likewise, the work that you're doing. My pleasure. Thanks. Hope one day we'll meet in person. Maybe at the I hope conference. So. <laughs> yes, I hope so. I I plan on going. I haven't purchased my tickets yet, but I plan on going to the conference. So yes, hopefully I'll see you there. Thank Bye-bye. you so much for joining Thank you. us. Thank you. It's a pleasure. <laughs> You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave us an honest review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash HLS. This helps us to spread our message. And thank you again for being a listener.